Today I want to take a break from our regular series and preach on these final verses of Matthew 23. I heard a sermon on these verses recently and I thought that this passage is just so relevant for us as a church. And as I trust you'll see, I think it's particularly appropriate on a day when we're about to welcome two new members. Uh, so we're going to look at it under three headings. Uh, the first one aimed particularly at those who are newer Christians or new members. Uh, the second, uh, those of us who are, are in church already and have been here for a while. And the third, uh, those who aren't yet believers. Uh, though I trust that there will be things uh, that all of us can learn from each of the three points today. But firstly this morning, and we'll spend about half our time on this first point, uh, speaking particularly to those who are newer Christians, uh, get ready for rejection. Get ready for rejection. The first thing I want you to do this morning is to see the sandwich that's in front of you. Maybe you don't see a sandwich, but let me explain. Uh, I want to, to try and get us up to speed with what's happening in this section of Mark's Gospel. Uh, and it will be helpful uh, to think of it as a, a sandwich. Uh, Mark, uh, be- or Matthew sorry, begins verse 53 by saying, When Jesus had finished all these parables... And then he goes on to tell us about Jesus being rejected in Nazareth. And the parables are like the meat in the sandwich. But the two, the two pieces of bread, the, the bits on either side, uh, tell us about a distance where we wouldn't expect it. A, a distance between Jesus and those we would expect to be closest to him. Uh, The first piece of bread, uh, the first group of people who are unexpectedly distant from Jesus are his family, uh, who we read about there at the end of chapter 12. Jesus is speaking to the people and his mother and brothers are standing outside. And at least with his brothers, uh, they aren't just physically outside, they're spiritually outside. Uh, Mark, uh, another gospel writer, tells us in his gospel that when Jesus was preaching to the crowds and not even able to eat, that his family heard it and came to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. So Jesus' own family were saying that he was out of his mind. We read in John 7 verse 5 that even his brothers did not believe in him. Uh, It doesn't look great for Jesus' mission to the world when even his brothers did not believe in him. So Jesus in the Gospels is rejected by his family. And then here at the end of of chapter uh, 13, he's rejected by his hometown. So these parables in chapter 13 are bookended either side with Jesus being rejected. Uh, Rejected by his family, rejected by his community. What's it like when a celebrity comes back to his hometown? In 2012, after winning Olympic gold, after winning the US Open, Andy Murray uh, came home to Dunblane. 
Uh, Dunblane has a population of less than 9,000 people. Uh, and yet that day, 15 to 20,000 people turned up to see Andy Murray. They waited for hours in the rain to do so. They, they painted a post box gold for him. What's it like when Jesus comes to his hometown? Well, verse 54, they're astonished, but not in a good way. Verse 57 tells us that they took offense at him. And Jesus then makes the famous statement that a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And then we read that Jesus did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And as Matthew is writing his gospel, he is not just giving us a historical record of what happened. He's also preparing his readers for what they'll face. In fact, he's helping them process what many of them would already have been facing. Many of those who Matthew was writing to would have been rejected by their families and their hometowns because of their newfound faith. And Matthew is reminding them that the same thing happened to Jesus. And so one of the reasons that that I wanted to preach on this passage on the day that we have new members joining is because we have a reminder here that to join yourself to Jesus and his people will often mean rejection by others. It will often mean rejection by others. Rejection by those who once welcomed you. Now in God's kindness that that might not be as extreme as it was for Jesus in these verses or or for John the Baptist in the, the very next chapter who is killed for his faith. Uh, But perhaps some here have known what it's been like to live with someone for 20, 30, 40 years. uh, And then you become a Christian and you find that there is a distance there that there wasn't there before. Perhaps it used to be that you could have talked to them about anything. But now there are things that that you can't talk to them about. uh, And it's not because they they don't care about you. But they just don't understand And and some of the things that you can't talk to them about are are some of the most important things now in your life. There may be people in your wider family circle or or your community who who treat you differently now because you're a Christian. Uh, Maybe invitations that you you once used to get have stopped coming. Perhaps people stop talking when you come into a room uh, and it's clear who they've been talking about. There is a cost to becoming a Christian and we do well not to hide that from people. There are some parts of the world where if someone leaves the faith they were brought up in and becomes a Christian, their family will hold a funeral for them to say in the strongest possible terms that you're dead to me. We're coming to the time of year when there will be lots of talk about peace on earth. But Jesus said Jesus said do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth I have not come to bring peace but a sword for I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and the person's enemies will be those of his own household 
As churches and as a, a congregation here, we, we hope to bring blessing to, to the communities that we're part of. And that will happen as the gospel is preached and lives are changed. But, but we will also unavoidably bring division because some will believe and some will not. Divided families, divided friendships. Uh, to look at the meat of the sandwich for a minute, uh, at the start of chapter 13, the, the seed that is sown brings with it a sword. The seed brings with it a sword, a sword of division. For when that seed lands on soil that God has prepared. Perhaps that has been your experience. And perhaps at times you wonder, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Well, that's where these parables come in. That's how the meat of the sandwich relates to what comes before uh, and to what comes after. Perhaps becoming a Christian has cost you a lot. Or maybe you're, you're not yet a Christian and you know, uh, you know what it will cost you and that's actually what's putting you off. Well, that's what this one verse parable in verse 44 is about. A man finds treasure hidden in a field and in his joy he sells all that he has to buy the field. It costs him everything. And yet he gladly sells all that he has. Why? Because Jesus is worth it. What else would you be willing to sacrifice those relationships for if that is what it takes? What else would you be willing to give up your support network for only for Jesus? Only because he is worth giving up everything else for. The next parable is similar. Whether that man in the last parable was searching for treasure, we don't know. He likely just stumbled across it while he was working. But the person who finds the pearl of great price has been searching, searching no doubt for years. Like the person today who feels an emptiness inside and they, they search and they search and they search for something, something that will give their life meaning. And at last they find it. They find him, they find Jesus. And even if it means giving up everything so that they can have him, they'll do it. There is a cost. Uh, not of salvation because that is free uh, it's something we could never earn but there is a cost in terms of the consequences that following Jesus will bring but he is the hidden treasure uh, which is so amazing we can't believe that we found it he is the pearl of great price who is worth giving up everything for and he is worth it so our first point this morning, particularly aimed at those who are newer Christians, but also those who've been Christians for a while and are starting to wonder if it's really worth it. Get ready for rejection. Don't be surprised at continued rejection. But remember that Jesus is worth it. 
But before we leave this first point, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Because Jesus' rejection by his family is not the end of the story. Two of the New Testament letters are written by Jesus' brothers. At the start, they don't believe in him. But in the end, they do. They go from thinking that he's out of his mind to following him. And let that give you hope now as you think about your family members. They may not believe now, but we don't know how the story ends. The parable of the, the weeds uh, and the, the, the mustard seed uh, in the middle of, verse, or middle of chapter 13 teach us about the need to be patient. The kingdom grows. It does grow even when it looks like it, it's not. It does grow, but it grows slowly. So be patient as you pray for your loved ones who aren't yet believers. And also be patient with them. Because you were once in exactly the same position that they are in. Getting frustrated at them won't help. Because they just can't see. They need God to open their eyes. And perhaps your, your patience, uh, maybe under provocation at times, is one of the things that God will use to do that. So firstly this morning, get ready for rejection. Realise that it happened to Jesus first. Remember that he is worth it. But don't give up on your family members. Because one day some of those who are rejecting Jesus now may be rejoicing over him as those who've discovered hidden treasure and finally find what they've been searching for their whole lives. Then secondly this morning, uh, and speaking particularly now to those who are already in the church, be who we're meant to be. Be who we're meant to be. Perhaps what I've been saying so far hasn't been your experience. Maybe those closest to you are Christians and so for you, becoming a Christian didn't mean losing your support network. Uh, and so for you in this uh, particular area, uh, the cost of following Jesus has not been as much. Or perhaps you became a Christian so long ago that you now have a, a new support network made up of Christians in, in this church and elsewhere. Uh, and so you've largely forgotten the relational cost of following Jesus. Well, if that's you today, then you need to realise what we are asking people to do as we present them with the gospel. Maybe when you became a Christian, your family were, were happy. Maybe it was an answer to their prayers. But try to imagine what it would have been like if they were suspicious, confused, hurt, or, or even angry. For many of those we're trying to take the gospel to, becoming a Christian will mean that they lose a whole support network of family or friends. It will mean that a distance comes in between them and those they've been closest to their whole lives. Think of people who've lost everything in the flooding during this past week or, or those who live where there are, are wildfires and one day they, they lose their house, they lose their car and they don't know where to turn. Think how absolutely disorientating that would be. So what is our responsibility to someone like that? Uh, 
what is our responsibility to someone who has sold all that they have in order that they can buy the pearl of great price? Well, surely the church now has to be their support network. Not simply because they have no one else, though they may well not have, but because that's what the church is meant to be anyway. Surely we're deluding ourselves if we think we can go out into this community and call on people to give up everything they have and follow Jesus. If the most that we'll do for them in return is to say hello to them on a Sunday morning and then expect them to muddle through the other 167 hours of the week. Church is meant to be a family. It's meant to be a body. And if it isn't, there, there are some people here and it may not affect you that much. Because you can go home to families who are believers or at least outwardly professing faith. Or maybe you're not a Christian and the lack of faith through the week doesn't, or the lack of fellowship through the week doesn't bother you that much. But for others, and I'm including here those of us who don't have a support network in terms of extended families in this area. For others, if church is not what it's meant to be, then we may not be able to keep going. We may not be able to keep going. Jesus' brother James in his letter says, What good is it if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily goods? And one of you says, Go in peace, be warmed and filled. And he could equally have said, what good is it if a brother or sister is lacking any sort of support network and one of you says, go in peace and we'll, we'll see you next Sunday morning. Have a, have a nice week. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Do, do we have any idea what we're asking people to give up to become Christians? We as a church need to be their new family. When Rosario Butterfield became a Christian, uh, she's now an RP minister's wife in America, but she was saved out of a lesbian relationship. Uh, she left one community where people were there for each other, uh, where someone's home was open every night that people could just drop in. And she left that community uh, because she'd come to see that, that her lifestyle was sinful. But later she began to wonder whether whether that community had a greater commitment to hospitality than she found in the church. Not exclusively, the reason she came through the doors of a church in the first place was because a pastor and his wife had had her in their home every week for a couple of years. But as a rule, she found that there was a greater commitment in her old community to people sharing their lives with one another than there was in the church. Brothers and sisters, that should not be. So this idea that we can just come to church uh, uh, and then leave again and maintain a, a, a polite uh, a distance between us and our fellow believers, it's spiritually harmful for, for us. Uh, it allows us to, to hide uh, what's going on in our lives. It allows us to, to hide uh, some of the sins that we're struggling with. But perhaps if we have Christians in our families, we'll be able to survive. But increasingly, people don't have that luxury. I was going to call this second point, be ready to welcome, uh, be ready for rejection. Uh, to, to the new Christian, be ready to welcome to, to, to those who are already Christians. But it's not just that initial welcome. It's about us being who we're meant to be. Uh, 
we have a cake in the hall for later, a bit, bit, of, a, bit of a spoiler, uh, and on it are, are the last three words of 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six: If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. If your fellow church members are suffering, are you involved enough to know? You can't suffer together with people if you don't even know they're suffering. And in order to know that they're suffering, you need to be involved in their lives. That's Jesus' vision for the church. Is it ours? I'm thankful that increasingly I think it is. And that I can say to those who are joining today, that in a very real sense, that you're being welcomed into a family. That's not just in name. I'm thankful that this increasingly is our vision here. Is it yours? It's part of the reason why we have our monthly church lunches. You know, some of us might have the option of, of, of going home and, you know, believers in our, in our family, we have lunch with them. That's, everybody doesn't have that option. It's why we, we, have, we have supper after the evening service each week, why we have at least one, or, one organized fellowship opportunity through the week, such as the Wednesday Bible study. Uh, not everyone can be involved in everything, but think of the church in the first century. It couldn't have survived on an hour a week when people were being converted and many were the only Christians in their families. And we're not going to survive on that in the 21st century either. So to the new Christian, get ready for rejection, but realize that God is no man's debtor. When you lose family for the gospel, he gives you a new family, spiritual in place of physical sometimes both for those who are already here be who we're meant to be thirdly finally briefly i want to speak to those who aren't yet christians because this uh, passage has a message for you as well and that is question your rejection question your rejection now though i'm addressing all believers here one of the the issues that you have in, in any church is that there tend to be people who who aren't Christians but think that they are Christians. They they believe in God, they they go to church. They're a Christian, are they not? But someone can do those things and not see Jesus as a treasure that is worth losing everything for. They can do all those things and not see him as the pearl of great value. The parable of the net in verses 47 to 50 tells us that at the end of the age, the angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous. That tells us that it is not always clear in this life which is which. Believers and unbelievers can live alongside each other and even worship alongside each other. And if Jesus comes back during a church service, the, the angels who are already here as we worship will separate the believers from those who aren't. And that's what the preaching of the word is meant to do even now. To make clear to those who are hearing where they stand. Uh, and so I must ask you this morning, how has your heart responded to Jesus Christ? 
You may enjoy coming to church. You may enjoy spending time with Christians. But is Jesus your greatest treasure? Is he for you the pearl of great value? If not, you may be inside in a sense, but you're still on the outside. But coming now to speak to anyone who isn't a Christian and you know that you aren't. If that's you this morning, we're, we're glad that you're here. And I think you might find these closing verses of chapter 13 particularly relevant. Jesus is rejected in his hometown. We, we've seen that already. Uh, but here are two questions to think about. Firstly, why is he rejected? And secondly, is their rejection of him rational? So why is he rejected? And quite simply, it's because they don't know him. He's the carpenter's son. They know his mum. They know his brothers and sisters. And that blinds them to seeing him for who he really is. Can they deny that mighty works are happening? No. Uh, Do they have any reason to think that Jesus is a fraud? No. Is it because his personal life doesn't back up his public ministry? No. People say that faith is blind. But it's actually unbelief that's blind. Those in Jesus' hometown don't see, uh, and it's not because of lack of evidence, but because they don't want to see. Who's he to teach us anything? So many people today reject Christianity without ever really looking at the evidence for it, uh, without ever really looking into it. But surely that is not a rational thing to do. And so if that's you today, I'd love to have the the chance to sit down with you and present the case for Christianity to you. Uh, We're less than halfway through Matthew's Gospel at this point, but this is the last time we hear of Jesus teaching in a synagogue. Those who rejected him that day might never have had another chance to hear. And that might be the case for some here this morning. This bus may not stop here again. If the Bible's message is true, then the end of the age is coming. The weeds are going to be gathered up and burned. It might not be a comfortable thing to do, but it is time to question your rejection before it's too late. So what if you do? Well, if you do, here's what I trust you will find by God's grace. First, you will find that the Bible's assessment of you is true. You'll find that God sees you as you really are. Uh, Those those thoughts that you wouldn't want anyone else to know, he he knows them. Uh, Those things that you've done that fill you with shame when you think of them, he knows them. Uh, Our Western culture may have lost the idea of sin, but we haven't lost the idea of shame. But the wonderful message of the Bible is that Jesus was willing to be shamed for us. Not simply to face rejection in his hometown, but to go to the cross. If you're a Christian struggling with being cut off from old friends, having family members distant from you, look at what Jesus went through for you. Dying alone on the cross. Not just rejected by those who didn't believe in him, but abandoned by those who did. And if you're not yet a Christian... In order to stay that way, this is the love that you'll have to reject. This is the love that you'll have to take offence at. But why? 
Why would you? Put your trust in him today and you'll find him to be a treasure worth giving up everything for because he gave up everything that you might be welcomed into his family.